can't wash away my sins. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can't make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. How precious is the flow that makes me white as snow. Now I earth out I know. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Hey everyone, thanks for tuning in. Um, thankfully, the sickness that was going through our home for the past couple weeks is subsiding. Um, I'm still fighting off the ends of it. Um, Sean's still fighting off the ends of it too, and the kids have a little bit as well. But uh, we are getting better, so that's good. And I'm happy to be back and speaking on the podcast today. Now, the uh, this podcast is called Mortality versus morality and let's just get right into it there's not going to be any really fancy introduction or or um, preface to the podcast per se Uh, we're just going to dive right into it here Um, we live in a society that is obsessed and consumed with fear everywhere we look we see we turn on our phones our tvs go on the internet You can't help but notice that fear is everywhere. And uh, I'm not going to name specific things, but uh, of course, you can probably put two and two together, Um, especially if you're in Western Canada or Canada in general, uh, as I am. We are especially obsessed with fear and consumed with fear um, in this current day and age. And why is that? Well, there's many, many reasons, and we'll get into some of them. But what do we, as Christians, do? Because are we supposed to be scared of, of dying? Really? Yes, we're meant to be wise and use discernment and our God-given brains and intelligence and to seek him for wisdom through his word and through the counsel of those who love us and our pastors and our elders that we confide in. Here's the reality, you guys. Everyone dies and we do not know when that day will come. We get, we get paid our dues And this is clear in Romans chapter 6, verse 23, when Paul says, For the wages of sin is death. We are actually paid for our lifetime of sin. And we are paid in full. And our wages are death. But of course, the second part of that verse is so beautiful. But the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. So how does a Christian react to all the fear that is constantly surrounding us? And I don't know about you guys, but I can I can definitely fall into a pattern of oh man, is it ever going to get better and 
oh my goodness, if, if only this would happen or if only that would happen, then everything would be better. Oh, if only this person would, would get into office or only if, if this legislation would pass or wouldn't pass, then our society would be so much better and everything would be fine. But his, history and reality and scripture, most of all, and most important of all, teach us that that simply is not the case at least not all the time. So how does a Christian react? What does the Bible say about fear and anxiety and worry? It must speak to it. Well, of course it does, because Scripture is inspired by God, and just like it says in 2 Timothy 3.16, that all Scripture is God-breathed and profitable for all manner of teaching and reproof, so that the saint in, is fully equipped for every good work. Fully equipped. Let's go to the Word of God. Which, uh, if you're new to the podcast, we, uh, we read the Bible a lot. Because I don't want to sit here and blab in your ear my own opinion. Because my opinion is simply that. It's my opinion. But my opinion has to submit to Scripture. So, I'm not here to tell you my political opinion on certain issues, which you can which you can guess what they are, of course. Because this isn't a political podcast. This is a podcast about bringing glory to the name of Jesus Christ so that he may be worshipped and so that scripture may inspire you to love and to serve your master and our master, Jesus, even more. Okay. So, Philippians chapter 4, verses 4 through 7. If you want to pause it, open your Bible, I would encourage you to do that. Of course, you can just listen along. Um, I'm reading out of the ESV, the extra spiritual version, <laughs> if you've ever heard that joke before. And of course, I'm just kidding. There's other great versions out there as well. Um, just maybe stay away from the Book of Mormon and the Jehovah's Witness translation, which is not a translation. Anyways, let's not go down that rabbit hole. This is why I have notes in front of me for this very reason. Philippians chapter 4, verses 4 through 7. This is what the Bible says. Uh, of course, there's many other passages, but I, I'm just picking this one for the sake of time. This is what the Bible says. This is what God says. This is what he speaks to us through his living word. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God and... The peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So, here we have an answer. What are we supposed to do when we are constantly told that we're in danger of dying, or this is happening, or that is happening? And of course, I am not here to downplay the death of, of any person who is made in the Imago Dei, which is every person. However, the reality is, we will all die one day, and we do not know when that day 
is. And we are not called to live in fear. We are not called to be anxious. We are not called to worry. In fact, we are directly commanded to do the exact opposite. Now, this is, of course, easier said than done. And this is something, like everything, that we need to rely on the strength of the Holy Spirit working through us because otherwise our flesh will take over, right? It's, it's, it's just like that, the battle that Paul speaks of at the end of Romans chapter 7 where he, he does the things that he doesn't want to do and the things that he knows he should do, he doesn't do. This could be one of them. I know it is for me. It's a struggle for me. It's a struggle for all of us. However, God is sovereign and he alone holds yours and my life in his hands. Well, how do we know this? How much credit should we give to the devil? Hmm. You know, I used to give way, way, way too much credit to the devil. Oh, this, this bad thing happened or, or I, or I went through this trial or, or, or this hard time and it, you know, the devil was, was testing me or tempting me or whatever. Uh, maybe that's the case. Perhaps it could be. But even if that is the case, God's in control. 100% in control. Hmm. Is that my opinion? It is. It's my personal opinion, which is based out of Scripture. <laughs> so my personal opinion is based out of God's opinion. Now, let's back that up. If you would like to, and again, I would encourage you, turn to your Bibles to Job chapter 1. And we'll start in verse 6. Job is the oldest book of the Bible. It's not the first one in the canon, but it is the oldest one, the first one that was actually written. Job, just a very quick preface, was a very, very wealthy man. Like he would have been, you know, the Jeff Bezos, the Bill Gates, you know, whoever you want to, the Queen of England, just massive wealth, crazy amounts of wealth. And when we pick up in verse 6, we're going to see God's sovereignty at work in Job's life. Here we go. Job, chapter 1, verse 6. Now there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan also came among them. The Lord said to Satan, From where have you come? Of course God knows that. Satan answered the Lord and said, from going to and fro on the earth, and from walking up and down on it. Because he's not omnipresent like God. And the Lord said to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job, that there is none like him on earth, a blameless and upright man who fears God and turns away from evil? Then Satan answered the Lord and said, Does Job fear God for no reason? Have you not put a hedge around him and his house and all that he has on every side? You have blessed the work of his hands, and his possessions have increased in the land. But stretch out your hand, and touch all that he has, and he will curse you to your face. And the Lord said to Satan, Behold, all that he, all that he has is in your hand. Only against him do not stretch out your hand to kill him. So Satan went out from the presence of the Lord. 
I love, love this chapter. And I love this section of this chapter. Now, if you have the ESV, like I do in front of me, there's, there's headers um, above each little paragraph section. And these are, these are not inspired. They're not canon. They're not, they're not on, uh, you know, on the Dead Sea Scrolls or in any of the, the manuscripts. These are added by um, the people who publish and translate these Bibles. So take them with a grain of salt, of course. But I do like this one. Uh, the ESV writers titled this uh, passage that we just wrote, read, Satan allowed to test Job. Bang on. Bang on. Satan allowed to test Job. So Satan, because of God's sovereignty, is completely under God's control. He is like a rabid dog on a leash and he is held back by God so that he cannot go and wreak as much havoc as he would as he would want to if he was not restrained by God. Now, this is a great example of this because God says to Satan, you go ahead and you do whatever you want to Job to test him, but you're not allowed to kill him. So no matter what Satan wanted to do or would try to do to Job, there is literally no way that he would be able to kill Job because God specifically for, forbid him from doing it. This is no different in your life and in my life. God has a time and a place when we will die and we will face judgment and we will either go to be with him for eternity in his presence or we will be banished out of his presence for eternity. Wow. That's uh it's pretty intense. It's really good news for those of us who are in Christ. And it should be terrifying for those who aren't. And in a sense terrifying for us who are in Christ because we do need to remember who we serve. Safety. Let's keep everyone safe. Safety is not necessarily a bad thing, but it can definitely be an idol. But one thing that is never ever promised in scripture is safety. So I'm not advocating that you should go and drive around in your car without your seatbelt on or that you should go walk across a, a eight lane freeway in the middle of rush hour just listening to your headphones and looking at the ground. Of course, God has given us wisdom, intelligence, and we can use our brains. However, we are not promised safety. In fact, in scripture, numerous times and throughout the entire um, history of the Bible, from Genesis to Revelation, we see sickness, death, pain, abandonment, abuse. These are many, many different ways that we will suffer. We are told throughout the New Testament by Christ himself, by the Holy Spirit through the apostles, that we will suffer if we are truly serving Christ. It's just part of what we signed up for. Part of the local church as well is that we share in suffering. And we see that in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 26 and 27. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Now you are the body of Christ and individually 
members of it. So if one person in the body is suffering, we all suffer together. We share that burden. We suffer together. If one person in the body is rejoicing, we rejoice with that brother or that sister. Because yes, we're individuals, but just like we have a left arm and a right arm and a left foot and a right foot, those are individual pieces of our body. One thing that, that grounds me is I read about the way that the apostles died for Christ. They were all martyred, except for John, which they tried. They were all martyred. They were all killed. John the Baptist, the forerunner, the prophet, the one who called, uh, called out in the wilderness, make way for the Lord, make a path for the Lord. He was beheaded by Herod for calling out sin. All the disciples were killed for spreading the gospel, except for John, which again, they tried. Many, many first century um, disciples of the apostles, such as Polycarp, who was uh, the apostle John's disciple, he was killed by the Romans because he would not say Caesar is Lord. Only Jesus is Lord. Think about the reformers, the Puritans. I think about my time in Scotland where I met my wife, who's from Alberta. Funny world. How God works in his sovereignty and his providence. I think about my time in Scotland. and I remember being in Edinburgh and seeing this museum. I didn't really realize at the time because I was, was biblically illiterate, to be brutally honest. <laughs> um... And I didn't know much about church history uh, or the Puritans, but they had this display and showing all the ways that the Puritans in Scotland were executed brutally for simply saying that Jesus is king and that the king of England is not the head of the church. Ooh, does that sound familiar, you guys? Because it sounds familiar to me. Now, this helps to ground me because what we face today in comparison, is so minute. A monetary fine, ostracizing by society. I mean, honestly, to, to be blunt, you guys, who cares? We're not being dragged out of our houses. We're not having our kids taken away. We're not had, getting our heads chopped off or being burnt at the stake or pulled limb from limb. There's places in the world that that still happens to our brothers and sisters places right now in 2021 where this where the same thing is happening to them that happened to the disciples and the reformers now i'm not trying to downgrade the the struggles and the trials that we go through in our country and in the west as a church but it does help to keep in perspective that man we we have it a lot better than we could that's for sure so what or whom should we truly fear? Well, I could tell you my opinion, but who cares? Let's go to the Bible again. Why not? Matthew chapter 10, verse 28. Do not fear those who can kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Rather, fear him who can destroy both the soul and body in hell. Anyone can kill me. Anyone can kill you. You could get hit by a bus. You could get whatever. Die in a plane crash. 
Or someone could break into your house and kill you in the middle of the night. While you're sleeping, you'd never know. But they have nothing to do with the eternal destination of your soul or my soul. So, we're not to fear man. We're not to fear sickness. We are not to fear oppression. We're not to fear social ostracization, if I can even say that word, and I probably butchered it. We are to fear God. Yes, God is our loving, beautiful, gracious Father. And Jesus is our our great high priest, and we are co-heirs if we are in Christ. But we always got to remember who we serve. We serve a holy God who does not tolerate sin. He does not tolerate it because he is perfect. We're all under sin. Every single person who was ever born, except for Christ. And we are deserving of wrath, as is clear in all of Scripture. And we will all die one day. And we don't know when. At the same time, if we are in Christ, if we are in Christ, there's no distinction and our salvation is equally purchased by Christ's blood. Oh, where'd I get that from? Okay, well, I'll tell you. Spoiler alert. It's, it's the Bible. Galatians chapter 3, verses 26 to 29. For in Christ Jesus you are all sons of God through faith. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ, there is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free, there is neither male nor female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to the promise. Ooh, that's good stuff. I love it. So no matter what your socioeconomic status is, whether you're, you're a wealthy person who is submitting to the authority of Christ, or whether you're flat broke and you don't know where your next meal is from, we, we are all equal when it comes to salvation. We are all purchased by Christ's blood. It covers all sin. As long as we confess him as Lord, believe in him, and serve him wholeheartedly with our lives. Life circumstance does not dictate or mean that we are better than a brother or a sister in any way. And any division within the body over frivolous things or, or, or social stature or, stature or uh, medical status, that's as far as I'll go on that one. Medical choices, maybe I'll say, and that's as far as I'll go on that one. Any division over such frivolous things is sin, and it must be addressed in the church body according to Jesus' instructions that he lays out clearly and concisely in Matthew chapter 18. I'm not going to read that. You can go ahead and pause it, go and read that if you want, or you can read it after. Totally up to you. I want to read some more out of the Bible, though. Because there's some really good news, you guys. The bad news we're all sinners, we all deserve hell, we're all going to die. Ah! What do we do? Nothing. Because there's nothing we can do. And that is a beautiful thing. Let's go back to the Word of God. Romans chapter 5 verses 18 to 21. Therefore, as one trespass, that's Adam's sin, led to condemnation for all men, because Adam is our federal head, so one act of righteousness leads to justification and life for all men. Christ's penal substitutionary atonement on the cross is what Paul is talking about here. 
Uh, let's pick up verse 19. For as by the <clears throat> excuse me, for as by the one man's disobedience, the many, all of us, were made sinners, so by the one man, the God man's obedience, the many, the elect, will be made righteous, those who are in Christ. Now the law came to increase the trespass, but where sin increased, grace abounded all the more. So that as sin reigned in death, grace also might reign through righteousness, leading to eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. Let's, let's recap that verse 21 here. As sin reigned in death, reigned like a king, death had had a grip over us but grace might grace reigns through righteousness leading to eternal life through Jesus Christ our lord let's do a quick recap here recap everyone is under sin and deserving of hell you me your granny even if you think she's the sweetest woman on earth she ain't trust me <laughs> She is a wicked, hell-bound sinner apart from Jesus. <laughs> just like me and just like you. We all die, and we don't know when, and we have zero control over it. God is completely sovereign and completely in control of all things, even the devil, just like we read in Job. God is to be feared above everything anything else it's not even a contest they're not even in the same league it's a little league baseball team versus the world series winners christ and christ alone has made a way for us so that death does not have its sting any longer yes we will physically die if we're in christ we will we all do However, that's, that's not the end for us. It's actually just the beginning. And it's sweet. It turns from this, this dark, sour experience, this, this burden into this beautiful, freeing, amazing entrance into the presence of our Lord and Savior for all eternity. The Christian response to fear, anxiety, worry is to rejoice and give everything to God in prayer and supplication as we read at the start of the podcast in Philippians what is the result peace that surpasses all understanding so that in any circumstance any circumstance that could come our way we can have peace that surpasses all understanding. That's Philippians 4.13 in context. If you actually want to continue reading uh, chapter 4 of Philippians. That's actually the context of, of Philippians 4.13. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Well, if you read, and actually Spencer and I uh, did a podcast episode on this. If you read just a couple verses ahead. Paul is talking about being content in times of having absolutely nothing. And, you know, recalling times in prison, being beaten, not having food, being cold, being shipwrecked, all that kind of stuff. And being content in times with plenty when it feels like, man, life is great. 
couldn't get any easier. That we can be content in every single situation and that especially through trials we can have peace that surpasses all understanding. I want to end with this, you guys. Let's go back to Philippians chapter 4. Let's read verses 8 and 9. This is uh, Paul speaking to the church in Philippi and encouraging them here at the end. Here's what we can do, you guys. Here's how we can practically live this out. Because the word of God isn't some cryptic message. Yeah, there's certain things that are a little bit hard to understand. But there are things that are very clear. And God has given us a beautiful, clear passage here in Philippians chapter 4, verses 8 and 9. This is how we can practically apply what we have talked about in our lives. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, that is, Paul practiced these things, as he is a represent, representative of God, and the God of peace will be with you. You guys, is there is there anything that is true and honorable and just and pure and lovely and commendable and excellent and worthy of praise? Mm, I, can, I can think of one thing. <laughs> I can think of many, but we're going to wrap this podcast episode up. I can think of one thing, and it's the the main thing, the big thing, the work and the person of Jesus Christ, of God incarnate in human flesh, who humbled himself and came to the earth to be born as a humble baby in a stable to a, a regular poor old family in the Middle East, who lived a sinless perfect, obedient life in full and total submission to the law of God 24-7, 365 for 33 years. Fulfilling every aspect of the law. Fulfilling the two greatest commandments. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength and love your neighbor as yourself. Only Jesus, only Jesus did that perfectly. There wasn't a millisecond that he was not completely honoring God the Father. And I would say that that is true, that is honorable, that is just, it's pure, it's lovely, it's absolutely commendable, and it is excellent and 100% worthy of our praise. So, Focus on Jesus. Focus on the cross. If you are in Christ, any suffering that happens to you, this side of heaven is a blip on the radar. And it pales in comparison for what waits in eternity in the presence of our Lord and Savior who put his life on the line and gave it up for us. This is how we can have peace in any circumstance. We focus on on the cross, we preach the gospel and we praise and we worship and we submit to and obey our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ because he is true, he is honorable, he is just, he is pure, he is lovely, he is commendable, he is excellent, and he is worthy of praise.
I think that's a good place to end, you guys. Because I'm starting to tear up. And I'm not going to be able to keep it together for much longer. I implore you. Do not fear men or your circumstances. And I'm, I'm preaching to myself, you guys. Big time. I'm not pointing any fingers. Well, I mean I am. <laughs> but I'm pointing them at myself too. Out of love for anyone who hears this. Confide in Jesus. Worship Jesus. Trust in Jesus. Put your hope in Jesus. Because He is the one who is worthy of all praise. And we know that God holds our lives in His hand and He has numbered our days according to His perfect, sovereign, providential will. And every second that we are breathing is a gift, an undeserved gift from God. Whether you're a Christian or not, you are breathing because God lets you breathe. I am here with my family in my particular town that I live in in this time because God has chosen to have me here. And He knows when He's taken me home. And ain't nobody changing that or stopping that. Not me, not you, not the devil, not any kind of sickness, not any kind of trial or circumstance. When it's my time to go, He's going to take me home. And hallelujah. Come, Lord Jesus, come. I'm, I'm excited for that day. Of course, I, I love what God has given me on this earth and, and the ministry opportunities. And I don't want to take that for granted, but oh man, you guys, I'm excited to be with Jesus, to worship him perfectly without any sin in the way, to have fellowship with you guys my brothers and sisters who are in Christ without any sin in the way where we will worship and we will praise the name of our Lord forever because he is worthy. I love you guys. Thank you for listening. Go ahead and share this podcast if you would like. I feel so humbled and honored that God would even use a platform like this and a wretch like me who has been given grace and who has been pulled from the pits of hell by the nail-scarred hands of Christ and become a son of the Most High God. Oh, it's so beautiful, you guys. Thank you again for the support. I love you. I'll see you in two weeks. God bless you. And until next time.
Let's start with the microphone check. One, two, first. Water to the dry and weary soul of the true church. The kind of things that few search. They say that the truth hurts. Well, this pain is gain, so let's explain the new birth. First things first, can't neglect this at the start. I must preface my remarks with the deadness of the heart from original sin, the effects of the fall. The sin of our first parents brought death to us all. Since Adam was our federal head, what he did counted for us. In him were all rebels and dead. Yo, captured in the mind, disaster, sin and crimes in a dark state. Alaska in the winter time, shower in our frames. Left to ourselves, we be devoured in the flames. Cause we're powerless to change. If you feel that way, I pray that you respond happily. As you see what Jesus had to say in John chapter 3. Father, Son, and Holy 